All right. Good morning, everybody. I am Joanne Johnson, Executive Director for the Oconee County Chamber of Commerce, and this is the Chamber News. This morning, I am very excited, as I know that you guys are. We have been anticipating this, this video interview this morning with Jamie Suber, the Chief of Staff for the South Carolina Employment and Workforce Department. So, Mr. Suber, thank you so much. I know how busy you are. Well, I think I know. I can probably barely even imagine. Um, so thank you very much for, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Um, if, if we could, can we, you want to just go ahead and get right on into this because I have a list of questions. When folks found out that we were going to have you in the hot seat this morning, uh, it kind of went crazy as you, can, as you can imagine. And we have at least 50 to 75 questions this morning, which I anticipate we will never get to all of them. But again, good morning. How are you this morning? Oh, challenging times, challenging, challenging times. And um, again, thank you for the opportunity, Joanne. Um, this is important to us. This is important to the agency. We want to do all we can to ensure that we're trying to serve and satisfy the needs of the state. Um, most importantly, everyone has their inquiry. Everyone has their own personal situation. Obviously, we've tried to roll out four federal programs in a very short period of time. We've been inundated with calls. We've had load issues on our system. I just want to be transparent, honest, and open and understand the needs of the state, but also try to give a little bit of understanding to their individual needs and what's been taking place over the past four or five weeks associated with this pandemic. Absolutely, and, and we appreciate that. And we know, first and foremost, we know how hard you guys are working. And this, of course, is a very unprecedented time. And and even though you guys are prepared, I don't know that anybody could have ever been completely prepared for the, the number of people that are applying for unemployment. And that brings me to the first question. Do you know offhand how many people in South Carolina, as of today, have applied for unemployment? Um, I can find out in regards to the total specifically for you, but I know in regards to filing, I think on last week, it's well over close to 200,000 um, initial claims have come into the system. Do we know of those 200,000, and, and I don't expect you to have the answer because you weren't prepared for that, but do you know of those 200,000, how many have begun to, to see payment? Yeah, and, and I want to speak a, a little bit and try to segregate the pot. So the universe of UI is huge, you know, so when you're speaking of all claims coming into the system, you have to understand that there's an, an, an assessment associated with COVID specific, you know, those that are related to COVID, but there's also a population that's just regular UI. So I know we're trying to understand what the universe is, but it's kind of hard for us to segregate the UI population because you're coming into the unemployment insurance program and it may be COVID related, but it may not. So it's kind of hard for us to say, okay, out of those COVID related, this what the percentage is versus the total. But we can try to get you a better sense of the data to support this. But I'm telling you, a lot of individuals have come in, many have been paid, but there's also a percentage of individuals that have not received benefits yet. Right. So and we know that a lot of people who have applied are getting denied. And I think that's one of our biggest questions this morning is how do we go about that? From your end, when you're seeing people apply and they get denied, are they having to reapply based on that denial or should, should they just let it sit? 
All right, that's a good question, and I'm, I'm more than happy to try to answer that one. It depends on the type of, it depends on their personal situation in regards to what their eligibility may be. It could be of a, a litany of factors of why they may be deemed ineligible. Um, the most popular reason right now is dealing with the 1099, the gig workers, the self-employed. So those individuals primarily are the ones that are being denied or being determined uh, monetarily ineligible. And it's because the system wasn't created for them. They were not supposed to come into the unemployment insurance program, so they are being denied regular UI. And I know the system may be clunky for them, hard for them to navigate because it was not intended for the self-employed. However, that denial is something that is good because as we get closer to pushing out the pandemic unemployment assistance program, which is one of the uh, federal programs that's through the CARES Act, those individuals that we have their information, we have their denial, we are reaching out to them and telling them what's next in the process for them so we can actually have that information, know when they filed, so we can get them ready to go into this new program. So when I think about the individuals that are being denied, it's because the message coming from the federal government and coming from leadership was everyone will be eligible. And that's true. Everyone will receive something is what the intentions were of the CARES Act. However, unemployment insurance, the regular UI, there's a lot of technicality in that program. And in order for us to get them to a potential eligibility, that denial was necessary for us to get that information for them so we can determine how to move them into this PUA program, which we just received guidance on about two weeks ago. So that's exactly. kind of what's going on. Exactly. And when I spoke with uh, a few of the senators, too, we've been talking about this for the past month. And this is a program that was rolled out and maybe in 24 hours. And so there are a lot of hiccups along the way. It's certainly not perfect. And we're asking folks to just please kind of I know you're frustrated, but just kind of hang tight because they're working through you guys are working through all of those hiccups and, and jumping over a lot of hurdles, by the way, as we move forward. And, and, and again, I want everyone to understand that we do hear your concerns and it's our job to try to get benefits to those that are in need as timely and as quickly as possible. But I do want everyone to understand that we are technically taking uniform guidance from U.S. Department of Labor and trying to reconfigure our system to receive those individuals so they can receive appropriate benefits for them and their families. So that is what we're trying to do. And the thing about it is, we can set up a payment system so individuals could receive payments, but there'd be no reporting on the back end to associate with the funds that we're receiving because we're going to have to report back to the federal government the usage of fees, the uses of funds. And that's why it's taking some configuration for us to be able to account for eligibility, account for reporting, and ensure these individuals are truly eligible for the federal program that, that we're pushing out. Exactly. So let's go back to the 1099 folks for one second. I just want to summarize that one more time. So if you are self-employed and you apply for the benefits, you will you will be denied because that system is not set up for you. It will, though, trigger that $600 per week. We would be getting an email from you saying, yes, you were denied. Here is the next step in that process. And then will we be getting a message about the 600 or will that just automatically begin to be deposited into account so as far as those individuals we're going to need additional information from them so what we're going to message them is hey we have your claim you have been denied we've pushed out this pua program which you may gain eligibility go back into our application and provide us this information 
we will establish whatever that monetary will be for that individual and the $600 will be on top of that amount and then they will be receiving their benefits going forward and the, the $600 is up until July the okay. end of July so what happens if a person is self-employed, they get the denial, then they also get a denial from their their DBA, right? So let's say they're say they're uh, you're a, hair, a hairstylist, you get denied personally and then the name of your company gets denied also and they are triggering you to go into the system and answer questions, but now you're getting kicked out of the system and there's errors within that system that you cannot complete that in the 10-day window. What happens to those folks? Okay, so there may be a pool of individuals that we will redirect with general information. If you were not able to fill out your application, we're here to help you. We're here to take your inquiry. We're gonna help you get through the application filing process. And that's some of the logistical work that's taking place on the back end is to ensure that we have staff that's dedicated to receive those individuals that have had challenges filing their initial claim, but also preparing them for the filing of a pandemic unemployment assistance claim. So it's twofold. So we will have dedicated staff that's there to actually pick them up, understand where they are in the process, whether they've started or they haven't, and ensure that they get their applications through. Okay, and you'll, are you overlooking those 10-day windows if people are not able to, to get through? Um, I don't know in regards to 10-day windows specifically what you're speaking of, Joanne, but there's a great deal of flexibility in the program right now. I think that we're all open to doing the best for those that are in need. I have not seen a lot of people stickling on timelines. I'm not saying that there's no rules in the program. I'm saying we're doing all we can to be agile and flexible to ensure that individuals get what's due. In regards to retroactive, we're doing a lot to ensure that individuals' payments are retroactive. Perfect. And people are seeing a delay in payment error. How are those being resolved, Jamie? Individually by staff. Um, behind the scenes, our staff are going in and reviewing accounts, releasing issues, and ensuring payments are being made. So that's just a day-to-day -day process of our core staff. And that's the other thing that I want to explain. Um, the individuals that are dedicated on the customer service center, they're not always the ones that are behind the scenes addressing the issues on individuals' claims. Some of, them, some of them actually have the ability to resolve, but not all of them. Um, we've gone from a, a contact center of close to 50 individuals up to uh, close to 300 in four weeks. So it, again, training, access, understanding of the program, which is very technical by nature, as well as three additional federal programs is a challenge, it's especially trying to ensure the well-being of our staff. Um, Joanne, I'm not going making excuses but i'm telling you we want to help we want to serve but we're trying our best to try to train our staff to be able to answer the complexity i mean that that's what i'm going to echo the complexity of the increase and the variety of increase so that's what we're trying to do and i just i want everybody to understand that um wow we were at record lows in unemployment we were record lows in our staffing model and to try to spike up and staff up in five weeks and staff up in a, in a model that we've never served in. Everyone right. is centralized. Everyone is remote. No one is here to help individuals that would normally be able to come into an office. So we're trying to do it all through a single point of entry. And that's just, it's just not ideal. 
it's not uh, the best situation to be in. And that's what I think individuals are getting frustrated with us because phones are backed up, not able to get through the phones, system delays taking too long. And then here are new filers, individuals that have never filed for unemployment before, trying to learn the system, trying to get educated in how the system works, as well as learning the new programs that may afford them benefits that didn't even exist less than a month ago. Right. And it's not excuses. It's just educating all of us on what you guys are going through. And as we said in the beginning of the call, this is completely unprecedented. And there isn't really a manual to walk through and say, now this is how we go from, say, one case of something to 3,000 within a 24-hour period. And we, um, and I know, I'll speak for everyone who's, who's watching, who's in earshot or eyeshot of this. Yes, people might be frustrated. I think they're frustrated with the system and frustrated that maybe they're, you know, they're not able to, to make their, their ends meet right now. But in no way is that directed at any individual because this is just part of a system and we're all just trying to do this thing together and, and do it as quickly as possible. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to play on the words, but you know, the provisions are under the CARES Act and um, I mean, we care. Uh, employment and workforce cares. Um, we have dedicated staff that's working around the clock to ensure that we can help answer questions and try to provide uh, resolution to those in need. Um, you know, this is a field where we're counter-cyclical and when things are going well, we're very, very small. When things are going poor in the economy is when we swell. And it just takes a little bit of a ramp up time, but our staff truly understand how critical our roles are right now serving this great state. Absolutely. Let's touch on the loans for a second and the way that they may or may not impact unemployment benefits. So you spoke about maybe like the EIDL and the PPP. If people are receiving those, Jamie, are they going to be affected? Are their benefits going to be affected? Um, you know, part of the provision was to ensure that individuals are not double dipping. Um, and I can't tell a business owner, an independent contractor, what's the best method for them to go about ensuring that they stay in business, they feed their family, and they have resources. So I'm glad that there were two tracks initially in regards for individuals to actually uh, to, to explore and see what works best for their situation. But I would encourage an individual that's gone to 3P, you know, or that's gone the IPL route, that's been receiving a loan to not file for UI further, to not receive any additional benefits because they may be overpaid and that will force us to go and try to recoup those funds from them. So if you've taken the unemployment route and you've received unemployment, the minute that you're approved for a federal loan or you receive any additional federal funding, stop. That would be the advice that I would give them, but you're not gonna know until you're in it. Okay, good. What about a company that maybe is a nonprofit and has not fed into the program, but they've had to furlough or lay off their employees? How can those employees collect? Their employees would potentially be eligible under the pandemic unemployment assistance program and we would encourage their employees to go ahead and file however if that same business owner self-employed whatever it may be how they file has applied for a loan to cover to cover wages rent whatever that may be under sba loan i would encourage them to communicate that to their employees and if they receive that and that covering they want to tell those employees that hey you probably want to stop filing i've received benefits to ensure for your for your um, salaries so it's just a two-way it's a communication the intentions of the programs were that individuals would not be double dipping 
So if if they would even be denied maybe because the employer didn't feed into that program, do you think that they would still get triggered for that 600? I think if you're in the unemployment program and you are COVID related in regards to why you were separated, reduced earnings, reduced hours, the $600 is on top of whatever benefit you've been found eligible for. So they would receive it up until the end of July. So there's hope there. That's good. That's good news. Potentially, uh, if a yeah. Person was, yeah, potentially. Yes. So if a person was laid off and went back to work, do they need to reapply? Um, and they've got laid off again, say. Yes. Um, yeah. Anytime that there's a change in status, go ahead and file a new claim and we'll treat it like a new claim, recalculate what your earnings and what your benefits may potentially be. Anytime that there's a change in their status, I would include, in, in, I would uh, ask that individual to, to apply. There is no harm in applying for unemployment. So if you, this would then be the same thing, if a person went back part-time and they were currently in your system, they would do that weekly filing claim, I'm assuming, and report whatever the monetary amount was they received. Now they may continue to get benefits, but would they be reduced? Yeah, Joanne, you, you look for a job? That sound like you know you are. 100% correct. Um, that individual during that weekly certification, we'd ask them to report those earnings and the earnings that they've earned. Are you and you there and you're doing Jane. Um, can you can you get somewhere real quick or where did you go? Huh? I'm right here. Okay. And Hello? then the earnings that the earnings we've got somebody else talking. Yeah, the earnings that they receive may calculate into what their weekly uh, benefit amount would be. So yes, whatever those reported earnings are, they potentially could have an impact on what that that weekly benefit amount would be for them. Okay, and then there was a technical question that actually came in about filing, and it said, if my husband was paid cash for a job by an individual, what box do they put their tax ID in? Wow, that's a tough one. I, I, I'm i not very familiar with that. Send that one to me offline, and I'll follow up with them okay. individually. I will send that to you, good. Um, okay, and let's see. I mean, we have question upon question. This is such a hot topic right now. Um, we've got people that maybe the employers had filed late and because they kept getting kicked off of the site because you guys are just completely overloaded, they finally got in and were able to file for, file for say two weeks, but the previous three weeks that the employee was off, they were not able to fi file for those. How can they go back and get those three weeks? All right, so this is a complex and a technical issue, and this is a challenge that we're having operationally is, you know, employers, we encourage them for employer file claims. Um, that's a process that we encourage employers to use is where they file on behalf of their in employees, and they have an additional two weeks to go back and claim weeks. The concern we're having here is where individuals got ahead of their employer and they file for themselves. And so we have a two-way path. We have We have employers that have those that they have filed for that have received benefits for a period of time. And then you have employees that file for themselves that are talking to each other, but their timeline is not the same. So we're having to work very closely with those employers and those employees to see about giving them back weeks or making things retroactive. So that's an ongoing process that we're doing daily.
with our dedicated staff to try to help resolve those issues as they come. Um, but to blanket and just say, this is what we do, that's too hard to do, Joanne. That's something that we're navigating on a case-by-case -case basis because there's a lot of variables that are associated with why someone may be deemed eligible for these weeks but not the prior, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. It could be that they had earnings. It could be that they had not earned enough. It could be that there's an issue on their claim that no one even knows. So I just don't want to blanket my response. I would just want to say that we're looking at those not globally, but as a case by case, because there's a lot that goes into that. That actually leads perfectly into the next question. For an employer who pays all of their employees the same hourly rate, they have, they have applied and begun to receive benefits, though the weekly benefit amount is different among employees. What would be the reasoning in that? Um, how long that individual has worked for that company? Um, did they have prior wages from a previous employer? Uh, there's a lot that may go into the calculation of that weekly benefit amount. If they have earnings that they're reporting that could reduce that, that weekly benefit amount, there's a lot. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into that calculation for the individual that is happening behind the scenes. Uh, a question just came in from one of our viewers and they're asking, I see where employees can file for full-time employees, but can employers file for part-time employees as well? Same. Same. Okay. Very good. Oh, uh, ba, 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 ba. you know, it's, it's, we could sit here for four days, Jamie, I think because the questions, and I know that we're going to have even more questions after all of this. Um, but, but I am curious for, you know, that stores have just recently reopened. Um, and I'm curious how that will affect things. What happens to people maybe that have applied for unemployment? have not yet received it, but are being brought back to work, either part-time or full-time right now, not knowing how that's going to go. Um, hopefully it will continue, um, but how does that affect their benefits? Okay, so let me speak to the program a little holistically, and then we can speak to the individual challenges from the employer and the employee perspective. So. Normally, Joanne, we have up to 21 days for the processing and the determination of eligibility. So up to 21 days from the filing of a claim for someone to receive a decision of eligibility. During this process, we've tried to expedite that filing process. The waiting week has been removed. So we're looking on average close between seven and 14 days, hopefully that someone has received eligibility. When that's not happening, individuals have gone three, four weeks. That is a challenging uh, effort for us to go back and try to understand why payment have not received for those that may be eligible. So that's the first thing. It's just a realistic timeline of what it takes to determine eligibility. After that, if an employer is being reopened and they're recalling their employees back to work, we will take their benefits back retroactively and ensure that they receive money that was due to them, even though they're reporting earnings going forward or they're no longer drawing. Perfect. So they go back to work, they're collecting their paycheck, they still will have those checks that they when, from when they had previously applied. Uh, do you want them to continue to stay on the system and report weekly while they're back just in case the, it, something happens and we get a second wave, God forbid, um, and then the, no, they get laid off again? As soon as they go back to, to work, you know, and whether it's full time, 
they should stop. But okay. if they're working part time, then report those earnings. Okay, very good. Um, I'm gonna. I know you've got so much to do. I'm gonna ask you one more question this morning, and then if it's okay with you, send you a list of questions, and then you and I can touch base again, and then we will get that out those answers to everybody, uh, or perhaps if you get some more time, maybe even bring you back as things change. But I am curious about one thing. You know, we are dealing with a pandemic and Oconee County is simultaneously, you know, ground zero for an EF3 tornado. So we yes. have people here in this county who lost their jobs, lost their homes, and other than their lives and their loved ones have essentially lost everything. Yes. And they, yeah. many of them have not yet received a loan, any assistance of any kind, nor have they received anything from uh, the unemployment office yet. How can we get them pushed to the top? Yeah, and I think those are ongoing discussions. Um, we're ver working very closely with your, you know, your area delegation to ensure that you know we're addressing Oconee County. We know the critical challenges associated with this area. Our hearts go out to those that are in need. Our hearts go out to those that are dealing with simultaneous issues. Um, we are well aware. Um, our staff is well aware and we're working closely to ensure that anyone in that area, we're doing the best we can to address their concerns, research and investigate them on case by case basis. So Joanne, you, it's a perfect question and it's the honest answer. Yeah, we are aware and we do understand the challenges that have taken place over this uh, last week. So um, well aware and we're doing everything we can to make sure that we are responsive you know, to those that are in need right now. Well, Jamie Seward, Chief of Staff for the South Carolina Department of em her Employment and Workforce, uh, we appreciate you more than you know. We know how hard you're working, you and your entire staff. Um, we're sending you much energy and blessing and, and gratitude. Um, we're all going to continue to be patient and we're going to look to you and the rest of our leaders for answers going forward. Um, again, thank you. And if you would, you know, I will send you these questions. If you can get those answered for us and get them back, I know that everybody would appreciate it. And if you ever find any more free time to come back and sit with us and just sort of give us an update because people are confused. It's a confusing and uneasy time. It's frustrating. And again, the frustration is not directed at you and your staff. It is just the entire situation. So again, we thank you. We thank you. Um, any last words for our viewers? Yes, um, again, Joanne, really appreciative of the opportunity. Um, Want to be honest and be straightforward and transparent in regards to these challenges. Unprecedented, but that's, again, something that we're doing our best to try to navigate, to try to work through, to ensure that individuals are receiving what's due to them. So, again, I'm only asking for your patience and your understanding, and I know that's not a forever lifeline that you're giving me. So we're going to do all we can to serve your area, to serve the state, to ensure the individuals are getting the benefits that are due to them. Thank you all. This is a relationship, Joanne. If time pro 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 provides us to, we can get back together. We can continue to have this dialogue because, again, we don't know when this is going to end. And we do know that our services are needed and critical to the state right now. So I'm not going to run away from you. I'll be available. We can have additional conversation in the upcoming weeks. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. Again, um, this is a relationship. We'll do all we can to answer your questions and to serve the state. Thank you. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Joanne.